0: So yesterday was Thanksgiving and that's why I, I sort of speak a little bit about um, gratitude today. And we had a very lovely Thanksgiving yesterday and um, Jerry talked us through a little exercise in the evening. Uh, we all had, they had a sheet of paper and she asked us to write down 15 things we are grateful for. Fifteen is quite a lot, one thinks at the beginning, you know. And then we were all writing and writing, and some of us wrote like fifty things or more than that. So it, once we got started, it was actually quite easy to just keep going. And, and then afterwards we shared a few of those things we have been writing down, and it was very interesting what, uh, what people had, um, what came to mind for them. And you know, gratitude is, uh, <clears throat> generally speaking, is uh, you know, responding to kindness which comes to us from other people, and either you know, family members or strangers or institutions or different levels of society, and in in the Pali language, gratitude uh the word for gratitude is katanyu and literally translated that means to have a sense of what was done. So you know to to kind of be attentive enough and to be empathetic enough so that we really can fathom, you know, what it means, you know, if somebody give something to us, either materially or or just, you know, emotionally, or they listen to us or give us space. And there's many different levels of giving. And, you know, to be able to really understand what somebody had to to maybe sacrifice or... or, you know get out of their way in order to be able to give us something. That requires quite a, a lot of sensitivity. And I think if we ourselves we are not very open to giving or to, to generosity, then often also we lack the empathy to actually know what it means, you know to be given to so it seems to that gratitude and uh, generosity they are quite interlinked somebody who is very generous can have much more you know understanding of of what it means to give and therefore there's more response also arises because we we can um, you know understand what it what it takes sometimes to to give something So that has a lot to do also with, you know, being really aware of how much we benefit every day, every moment from the generosity of of others. You know, the meal, for example, is, is, is one powerful example. How much we are interconnected with the sun and the rain and the, you know, the people who, who, um grow the food, the people who harvest the food, the people who pack it up and transport it and then it's laid out in the shops and sold and bought and transported again and brought home and cooked and then people come for example and bring it to us. So there's an amazing chain of of people who are all somehow involved in this and not only people also of course like animals and insects and and plants, and it's just mind-boggling if you start thinking about it. It just is, it is an amazing um, network of uh, actually generosity and and gratitude also. If we can really, if we allow ourselves to, to think in this way, because most often we don't, and we just, we just you know, go through the motions and we don't have the, the time and we don't have the space to really take that in. It's kind of scary, actually. Because then you think, oh, I can never pay back, you know, to all of those people, to all of those beings, this what what I just benefit from them. But they are also connected with us, so it's not like like that. And we have a food reflection, or we have several different food reflections which we use uh, at the vihara. And this one is especially a lovely one. is from Tikhnatan, who is very much you know working with this notion of interconnectedness. And when he makes this exercise, for example, when you eat a you eat a um, tangerine, I think, and then every section of the tangerine when you eat it to just you know, be aware of the the rain and the sunshine and the you know the work which has gone into this this one section of fruit. And I think you know, sunshine and rain, the, the wetness of the tangerine and the the brightness of of the taste, very much brings it home. How all of those different elements you know, are working together to to give us this this um, nourishment and this delight. And even the sun, you know, which is away so many thousands and thousands of miles, it still, you know, gives us something. It's amazing to think like that. And some of you who have been here for the meal, they know the the food reflection, but those who have never been here, I I sort of want to read it out, at least part of it. With a heart of gratitude, I reflect on this meal. I give thanks to the earth, the sun the wind and the rain, and the hard work of all who produced, prepared, and offered it." And then there's more to it, but that's the part I'm speaking about right now. And the Buddha you know, thought that the, the quality of gratitude is, is a very important quality to hold society together also. and. You know, in a way to be able to maturely and and um, responsively, you know, deal with the give and take, which makes a uh, society work. So that there's a sense of uh, reciprocity there, and there's a sense there of, you know, of, of um, obligation. Actually, that if one receives, that one also. You know, has to give back because if if people are not aware of that, society wouldn't be able to, to work properly. And there are several passages in, in the Buddha's teaching in the canon which uh, speak about gratitude, and I've brought a few along tonight. And may i start with that first one from the Anguttara Nikaya from the section of the tools, and the Buddha says. These two people are hard to find in the world. Which two? The one who is first to do a kindness and the one who is grateful and thankful for a kindness done. So, the Buddha says, you know, this is a rare person to find, somebody who is really, um, who is giving something and then you know, that it is received also with, with gratitude. And this is very important. According to his teaching, he also says, you know, that quality of of gratitude, you know, is a quality of, of, of somebody who is civilized, oh. a quality of being civilized. And there's a second quote, and that is, also from the Agudharanikaya, from the tools of course, because it's about you know giving and taking. And he says a person of integrity is grateful and thankful. This gratitude, this thankfulness is advocated by civil people. And a person of no integrity is ungrateful and unthankful. This ingratitude, this lack of thankfulness is advocated by rude people. So, you know, saying that that gratitude is, is, is one glue which keeps society working properly. And, you know, and if this this gratitude, if that doesn't really work, because, you know, if we are not aware of that if somebody chooses you know, to give us something, there's, there's an element of choice in this. So, if the person could as well choose not to do it, so... It's this element of choice we have to become really aware of if we receive something. And if we then really kind of connect with what lies behind that choice, then if we really can let that sink in, uh, gratitude actually becomes a, a natural response. But for that we have to just be mindful enough and kind of awake enough to be able to record it when when it's happening. And at the same time, you know, maybe also, you know, be aware of, of different other voices which come up. Maybe, you know, oh, I was hoping it would be different, or I was hoping it would be more than this, or, you know, already thinking about something else. It should just really take the time to stop. Or sometimes, you know, if, if some people can be very, very generous, we can get used to that generosity and then you know, start to take it for granted. Well, in the lifestyle which we live here, you know, we, we live totally on the generosity of other people. We can get, you know, we have to really make an effort also not to get, you know, not to kind of um, forget that and and start to, to take, maybe take things for granted or, you know, just losing the the recognition of uh, this um, truth, you know, that we are totally dependent on the generosity of others, that people again and again make that choice, you know, if they want to, to, um, you know, to support us, for whatever reason they, they choose to do that. and. You know, in this, we live here in a pretty small place, so it's much more obvious to me, you know, this interconnectedness and the receiving and the... the, the circle, you know, this circuit which is developing. We receive different offerings, you know, for the, what's called the Four Requisites in, in the monastic jargon, and for, and for that You know, we make that commitment that we want to practice well, as good as we can, and, you know, transform our minds and um, develop wisdom and compassion. And then what we learn, you know, to to give give that to other people in terms of teaching and uh, creating a space where there is this kind of energy of... um, Transformation presence of when people step into it, that they feel also you know supported with looking at their own minds. And before I've lived in a huge monastery where I've not been so aware of that interconnectedness. I've I think because it was it was so big and it was very um, wealthy place. And everything, you know, we had a lot of everything, at least in the last you know, so 10 years or so of when I stayed there. In the beginning it wasn't like that. There was much less awareness of this interconnectedness. And I'm, I think it's a, it's a very good experience for me to be in a, in a smaller present and see, see that much deeper. Because it can be... It can be an incentive you know to really um take make a make a an effort you know to to use to use the four requisites well and you know according to the monastic way of uh speaking the the four requisites are of course food and then shelter and uh medicine and clothes <laughs> 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 and and you know and, uh, and when we d- take the ordination we have to agree to a minimal standard for everything You know, shelter, the minimal standard we agree for at the ordination ceremony is root of a tree, isn't it? Under yeah, tree? not for bikini. For, for bikini yeah. it's, it's a heart. Yeah, they don't, it don't actually, <laughs> actually it yeah. strange enough, yeah. it's, it's supposed to be a heart, yeah. And um, medicine is, uh, believe it or not, minimal standard is fermented cow urine, which we agree to at the ordination also. Urine. Mm-hmm. But we are very lucky at the moment. We have a health insurance event. <laughs> 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 but who knows? You know, it's <laughs> and minimal standard in terms of ropes is, uh, you know, um, bits of cloth which are found on the street or hanging on a tree or a corpse or you know shrouds of corpses. In the you know in the past cloth was very very expensive actually. And uh, so this is also you know, where, where this pattern of our ropes comes from. This this what's called pettifield pattern because originally you know a rope was sewn together or stitched together from many different bits and then afterwards it was dyed. Mm. And nowadays you know we have these wonderful ropes which actually are always all one one piece of material and those um, those, um, sewing lines, you know, they are actually just uh, made artificially. It's just tweaked like this and then sewn down, but it's not like lots of bits of cloth. It's just like a memory now. Mm -hmm. (coughs) So, you know, rags found Lying around in, on the street or on, hanging on trees or in channel grounds, fermented cow urine, a simple hut, and you know whatever drops in your arms ball. So that's the minimum standard. And for everything you know which is more than this, which you can see is a lot more than this, uh, gratitude would be the right response. You know. But sometimes I, I must say, I'm not so mindful. I, I forget that. So it's very important to recollect this uh, generosity you know, which we receive every day. And in the chanting books, there is actually one record, one of the recollections for monastics. Just want to show you. It's it's the recollection of the four requisites. And. We can do it today afterwards mm-hmm. at the end. Let's see, it's, on, it's on page thirty five. We will do that afterwards. Some of it, is, it sounds a bit funny. For example, while you reflecting I use the robe only to ward off cold, to ward off heat. What of the touch of flies, mosquitoes, wind burning and creeping things only for the sake of modesty. And with the lodging is also similar and Yeah. So it's like you know. If we receive these uh, requisites, we we are indebted, you know, to to the Buddha for the ordination for the teaching, and to the lay people for the you know for for all of the um, material requisites. And there's, I found something else in the Mahayana Kaya about that. you want to read or You know, this is. This indebtedness is not a neurotic kind of indebtedness, you know, where we kind of think constantly, you know, if we don't uh, reach enlightenment soon, then we go, you know, then we are guilty of, of 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 negligence. But it's more like um, an incentive to really give the best what we can, and and then we have to let go because you can't force, you know, wisdom to uh, arise, but we can put the right um, lifestyle you know in into practice and then see what happens so this is much money, recluses, recluses because that is how people perceive you and when you are asked what are you you claim that you are a recluse since that is what you are designated and what you claim to be you should train us we will undertake and practice those things that make one a recluse that make one a brahmin so that our designations may be true and our claims genuine and so that the services of those Whose robes, arms, food, resting place, and medicinal requisites we shall use, bring them great fruit and benefit, so that our going forth shall not be in vain, but fruitful and fertile. So, so that's, that's a beautiful um, quote. So you're not really develop that um, awareness when we go through the motions of our, of our lives and maybe, you know, some people they are ordained for 30, 40, 50 years and to not, you know, do not uh, forget that fact that can be uh, quite difficult actually to keep that alive and I think especially, you know, for uh, for monks who are very, very successful in, in, in their Teaching and often you know, I get lots and lots of requisites. I remember once that was just outrageous. I was in Thailand in a monastery and there was one monk who obviously was very loved, you know, and he got so many, 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 many gifts. He didn't know what to do with it. And I once, you know, I visited, it was not of the Achanchal lineage, it was somewhere else. I visited him in his, uh, he had a he had like huge storerooms in this monastery. He must have had a very amazing karma of getting so many things from people. It was all, that there was like thousands of Buddha statues, all, you know, on shelves. And in, in his reception room was very, very big. You know, maybe like from here till the deck, you know, a really big room. And he just had a little corner left. It was full with stuff. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> yeah. It was just so amazing, and he he he, he kept everything <laughs> it was so so amazing so you know to keep that perception alive is is it takes some um, practice to. Not forget it, I think. And the Buddha said, you know, the per, the people we are mostly indebted towards, are our parents. And there's, and he says in in the sutras, he says, even if we would carry you know them for our whole lifetime on our shoulders, and they would kind of. The Buddha always has these extreme examples. He said, Even if one should carry about one's mother on one shoulder and one's father on the other, and while doing so, should live a hundred years, reach the age of a hundred years, if one should attend to them by anointing them with salves, by massaging, bathing and rubbing their limbs, and they even should void their excrements there, even by that would one not do enough for one's parents, one would not repay them. Even if one were to establish one's parents as the supreme lords and rulers over this earth, so rich in the seven treasures, one would not do enough for them, one would not repay them. What is the reason for this? Parents do much for their children, they bring them up, feed them, and guide them through this world. And then he says, you know, the only way how we can repay them would be when one encourages one's parents in, uh, in the Dhamma, for example. That's one way how, how one can re- repay them. And when one encourages one's parents in, in um, virtue, that's a way how we can repay them. Or if we encourage uh, them in generosity, that's a way to repay them. Or if one encourage them to establish wisdom, that's the four ways. You know how we can repay our debt to them. Not by you know, kind of giving them things only is, is not enough. And you know we might not succeed you know, in encouraging them, but we can try. <laughs> I don't think I've succeeded very much with my father, but I, I've tried. And also he, he came to my ordination and he offered my arms ball. I think that was a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was generous of mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a, uh, there's, a, a, no, there's a little video which was made of my ordination, you know, where um, he's doing arms little It's like mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. I think that's what uh, Dr. Kovic's thing made. <laughs> Maybe I can ask when you yeah. yeah. I think we had it in, in, we have in somewhere, isn't it? Yeah. So, so repaying one's parents, yeah. It's a... It's a you know, this uh, reflecting on, on the possibility which we have through, through this human birth, you know, we can actually we can realize enlightenment, potentially, and without, you know, being born, we can't do that. And without parents, we can't be born. So that's, you know, how, how the Buddha arguments here. And what I, what I mentioned before already is this, this connection between uh, gratitude and, and generosity that if we ourselves you know not very generous we might not have uh, a sense also of gratitude. So how interconnected those two qualities are and how this this quality keeps society functioning. And I you know I've studied cultural anthropology and I remember still vaguely that you know there are some societies, I think in Polynesia especially, you know, we have very elaborate systems of uh, giving and receiving gifts, mm-hmm. and you know, that were societies who don't use money, and who who have have these kind of um, traditions or these seasonal, you know, procedures or, or rituals where they they make huge gifts, but you know, you you know exactly what you have to give back, and if you don't, then there is a problem. <laughs> so it's it's also a way, you know, how how society is, is kept um, going, and you know, and generosity can also be like a way how we can uh, win prestige. And I also remember from my studies, you know, there's like certain um, rituals which are made. I think it's is uh, with some uh, North American tribes, where they, if there's a certain, um, you know, if the stores become very, very full, and because, you know, they are wandering, they are nomads, they can't carry all the stuff with them, there's a, a certain... Um, ritual developed that if it, they have too much, they throw it uh, over the cliff, and who throws in more, you know, is is wins. Is the most powerful person is the one who can throw the most away. It's also amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called potlatch. I remember potlatch, not potluck, but potlatch. <laughs> 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 but it's a bit similar. That word, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found it's kind of mind boggling, you know. Yeah. Well I remember, you know, when <laughs> <laughs> what well, it's just the opposite to to Black Friday, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's amazing, I think. So people really respect the one who can throw a lot away. Yeah. And that wasn't, you know, that wasn't plastic or something. which just rolled away, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's powerful. You know, to think that way because nobody nowadays able to occur to no one. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, when we have when we have reached full enlightenment, then we have paid back all of our debts to to the Buddha and and to the Sangha. To the Dharma, and you know, and it's also said that uh, as long as we haven't, you know, reached enlightenment, we are indebted, you know, to to the Buddha and also to all those who 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 support us in in our practice. And I remember <laughs> this was many years ago. I I accompanied a. a Meiji from Papong to America, and we were walking together with Ginny Bendig somewhere. And there were lots of cows, you know, and, and she was a little bit afraid of the cows. <laughs> and 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 she she was a bit scared and I noticed it and and she said you know because they could all have been monks and nuns in previous life and not practicing well and then they are reborn as cows. (laughs) (laughs) house and then when they see me they get jealous (laughs) 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 this is what they say you know in Thailand obviously that if you you know if you eat the arms food and you don't practice well then you be born as food you know Mm. yeah that's very scary, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And the best way, you know, how we can teach all of this is just by doing it, you know. And it's, it's really starting out by, by being aware of of how much we receive and how much people have to go out of their way to, to make that possible and to treasure that and and then... You know, do ourselves become such a treasure? And we maybe we can't give things away, but we can, you know, we can give ourselves away in terms of uh, you know, giving away our egos as good as we can, and, and learning from that uh, very process of giving away our egos in terms of investigating them really deeply, and looking into feelings and uh, emotions and thoughts you know, in a a way, and really deep, more than we maybe want to, you know, originally. And really looking uh, very, very deep, and it's not, it sometimes you know, requires a lot of of, uh, determination and effort and and remembering to do that. And reflecting on, on the requisites and our you know, interdependence and and the gratitude can really help with that process and i think that's why the buddha has set up the sangha in this way because he he didn't want you know the monks and nuns to go away and be constantly just on retreat on their own but he wanted that they have to interact with the people on a on a daily basis or at least you know a, Maybe not every day, but there can be sh- uh, times of retreat, but not on an ongoing basis, constantly. Because then one can e- easily forget that uh, interdependence. Mm-hmm. And we just had a very uh, kind of exquisite arms round uh, last Tuesday. We had nine bikunis here, nine B- Korean Bikkunis, <coughs> and they joined us on arms round, so we were very long. Kind of uh, line going up through the Golden Gate Park, and and people were really st- stunned. Some of them they were just wow, this, that? <laughs> they were really very surprised to see us all standing there. And mm-hmm. it was very powerful uh, perception for people. And and the nuns were very happy that they could do a real arms round. Mm-hmm. Some of them were very touched. I think isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful also for our Thai people who cook regularly, you know, every every week since almost three years now, is it? Uh, Yeah, just three years. Three years, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And they, when they saw them all standing there, they just lit up like, yes! (laughs) They were very (laughs) happy (laughs) because they really understand, they know, you know, how much benefit they can get from that giving, you know, because I think, you know, the Buddha, there's also a quote which I actually haven't, haven't found this time, where the Buddha says, you know, if people would know how much benefit they actually get from giving uh, food, you know, mm-hmm. then we, if we would really know that, we would always, whenever we eat, we would want to give something away. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 because it's because it's such a... Uh, great comic. Um, it has great comic results. Is there anything else? So yeah, I mean, that we receive, you know, your gifts and, and gifts of other people in many different ways. You know, some people give over the internet, some people bring food, and there are so many different levels of some of the people who support us. We have never met. We don't even know. We don't know. We have we have never met and never see. And others we see frequently, and and there's and everything in between. And then, and we try our best, you know, to give away uh, our ignorance through in the practice and, and transform it into wisdom and compassion, so we can give something back, and you know, trying to make this vihara a, a, a place where people, you know, feel uplifted when they come. So and. I feel uh, that um, that the Buddha you know has set up this in a, in a very good way because it keeps it keeps one uh, aware of. Uh, you know, the responsibility we are, we have been taking on by taking this ordination and making ourselves so, you know, dependent on other people. And... I think that's one reason why why this uh, tradition has survived for such a long time. And... You know, it said this is one of the oldest institutions, uh, which is still existing since more than 2,500 years. And I guess this interdependence, you know, and awareness of it um, is a reason for for its longevity. Mm. So, maybe, do you have uh, any questions or comments to make? Then we'd have a little bit of more time. One thing I would like to say is I'm very glad
1: that you all are doing alms rounds here (laughs) in the city. I think, you know, speaking about interdependence, that it's it's um, it's also you being the presence of the Dharma in the world and giving people an opportunity actually to come forward. Yeah, you know, hearing you speak, I was thinking about. a situation that happened to me when I was in Japan. We, I was with the temple where we did a lot of altars And And there are many different ways that it's done, but one but one very typical way is that we would go from house to house and we would chant the Heart Sutra at each house. And so, yeah.
0: It's and then they would come out when they hear you chant. And they would come out
1: when, it, when we carry a bell and, we, and mm-hmm. we do the chanting and they would come out but I walked up to this, to this house one time, and, there, and it, like, I, there was a little truck parked in the driveway there, and I could tell that it had just arrived, you know, like the truck was still warm and so hot, and that the, the truck had just arrived, and so I went up and I, I stood you know, on the doorstep and started chanting, as we usually do. And the person, and the man opened the door, and he looked at me really kind of surprised, like very, very surprised. And then I noticed, while I'm standing there chanting, that he was wearing a belt with bullets in it, with these mm-hmm. really big bullets in it. Mm-hmm. Little Japanese man, you know. And they're chanting away, and so at the end of the chant he gives me a, a small offering, and I give him the blessing, which is that in medieval Japanese it says, that the... Uh, Dharma offered is equal to the offering received. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, as I was walking away, and he still has this surprised look on his face, and as I'm walking away, I look in the back of the truck, and there's a deer Mm -hmm. that he had shot. Mm -hmm. And it's still bleeding all the blood into the back of the truck. Mm -hmm. And he had just arrived with this creature. So, you know, it was like, it was... His karma that he needed then to make mm-hmm. some merit to make up for having killed mm-hmm. this creature. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it very much you know, that there were many instances like that, but that was mm-hmm. one particular instance where it was very clear to me that mm-hmm. you know, doing this kind of this kind of going out into the community is also giving people an opportunity mm-hmm. for their own karma to be revealed, you know, for to have this interaction.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I, I think in Asia people are very aware of that, isn't it? But here they are not so much, you know, because mm-hmm. they see it more like, you know, you are you're, a, you're a beggar, you know. Mm-hmm. Who, mm-hmm. But it's you know, it, it is something that which are people not so aware about the the um opportunity really, you know. Mm-hmm. And it is actually it's one of the duties of, of us is to go out and do this, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah one has to kind of the Western mind has to kind of wrap itself around this notion, you know, because it's not something which is um which is part of the society. Yeah. But yeah. Do you go did you go on your own? Do you go on your own there? No, we go out in
1: groups. Yeah. Usually we would have mm-hmm. because of my the, my train monastery is very small. It's about Fifteen to twenty mm-hmm. monks and nuns at mm-hmm. any given time during the time that mm-hmm. I say. So we would go out in groups of usually about eight, so two groups of four, mm-hmm. and we and we do, you know, we work a certain area. This one group before, and then we meet back up. Uh, and do you have a staff so. with, with
0: a staff with a the One person. Well, there are mm-hmm. different ways that it's done.
1: Mm-hmm. The, when we do the one in the kind of local town, mm-hmm. then we do it that way, where we kind of walk. We mm-hmm. just walk and chant the whole time mm-hmm. without stopping the people's doors, unless, mm-hmm. they re- unless they make a request, kind of mm-hmm. request to stop. And then there is somebody with a staff at the back. Mm-hmm. But normally, like when we do this kind of at the regional towns, mm-hmm. it's just the bell. And it's they give you bell, food or, or money? They give raw rice sometimes, mm-hmm. often, or actual coins. How you know, big is your bowl? Well it's a bag actually. We mm-hmm. our our bowl is not that big it's yeah. about the size of that bell. Right. Our Buddha bowl. <laughs> so So we we had the Buddha bowl with us, but actually most of the time the offerings went into this bag, we have a bag mm-hmm. that we carry. Um uh,
0: around the neck. Around the neck, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you like so, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. 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 And you know they go in the. I've I've seen it somewhere in a movie. You know they go with the with with straw shoes, right. just straw Joss shoes. Cessals. in right. the in the snow, isn't it? Weave them ourselves. Yeah. by hand. Mm-hmm. This is the special sandals just for Armstrong, mm-hmm. yeah? Yes, yes. They're mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. Waragi. Yeah. And even in the snow you wear them. Yeah. yeah. Did you do that? Yeah. Oops, is it cold? Yes. How long is the walk? Well, the
1: one that we do in the winter, I mean, the temple that I'm from is known for actually doing a little bit more alms Mm -hmm. rounds than certain other places. So we, in the winter, would do 29 days in a row, three hours every morning. Wow. From from January 28th to February. No. From, when is it? From January 8th. Until February seventh, more
0: or less. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Many people get sick from that. No, no? Actually, it's rare that people would get sick. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Interestingly. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe we can do the requisite chant now at the end. Mm-hmm.